Well, good evening. I'm going to say the word. I'm going to say this word. I want you to kind of just get a feel for how you feel about this word. And the word is focus. Maybe for you, that word was used as, as like a, uh, someone correcting you when you were a child and you heard that word over and over again, focus, focus. Or maybe, maybe, maybe when you hear the word focus, you, you understand the, the innate power in the ability to, to truly not be distracted and with single-minded focus accomplish things in your life. We're talking about focus all January long, this entire month, and, and our sermon series, here's the logo again, it's, it's called Fix Your Eyes. I'll say, fix your, you guys say eyes, here we go. Fix your, fix your eyes. It's a biblical phrase, also a phrase we might use in our world today, and it means focus, but there's an intensity to that phrase. Fix your eyes, focus. And the subtitle of the sermon series is Discovering the Power of focus, and it's my it is my uh, my joy and my delight to bring to you an understanding that the Bible, God's word, very clearly and very very sternly commands us to focus on some very specific things in our lives. And we're actually gonna be talking tonight that the sermon title is, dis- is The Power of Focus. And, and week one of the sermon series, we looked at one of the verses that, that calls us to fix our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12. And then last week, we looked at a verse about where the Bible commands us to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. And today, we're gonna actually talk about what does it do for us if we're able to focus on the right things, if we're able to truly take our, our eyes and fix them on what God is calling us to focus on our life. And so I, I, I've boiled this down, this entire message, I boiled down to what I call uh, four, four rules of focus. Four things about focusing that I want you to know and I want you to understand to help you focus on those very right things that the word of God is instructing us to focus on. So here's, here's rule number one. Fill in number one, rule number one, first rule of focus is actually a very important one and here's that very first rule, here it is. The challenge, rule one, the challenge is not only to avoid distraction, but to ensure we are focused on the right things. That's a, it's an important rule. You might think of focus and just think about, oh, the idea is that we should focus on something instead of being distracted. You might call that focused versus distracted. I just wanna tell you, that's not the goal. That's, that's part, you're halfway to the goal if you can not be distracted and you can focus your mind. But really the goal is very simply this, be focused on the right things. You know, as a person, I'll you know, just share about myself. I'm gonna say something positive and negative about myself in the same statement. Uh, I happen to be someone who has the ability to focus. I, I am good at focusing. I'm good at fixing my attention on a specific thing. And, and I, some, it's a skill that I have, but I have this problem. It's not, it's not just that I can avoid being distracted. I actually can focus on very, very wrong things. And when I focus on the wrong thing, it doesn't help me do what the Bible calls me to do. For example, this weekend, there's a very strong probability this weekend that I will watch an NFL playoff game. And when I watch that game, I will not be distracted. I'm not gonna be on my phone of like, what was I doing? I forgot. No, I'll be focused on the game, but focusing on the game is not gonna help me advance the goals that God has for my life. It's easy for me to get hyper-focused on certain things which may not be the right things. 
Now your question that you have right now, which is a great question, good job on this question, great question, is Pastor Tom, you're saying be focused on the right things. What are the right things? What are the right things for us to focus on? And that's where I wanna take you back to God's word, take you back to the word of God and, and, and what it tells us should be the focus of our life. I told you last week and the week before that, that many Americans entering this year, 2024, they, they set goals. They, they made resolutions about, about things like finances or fitness or, or relationships, and, and those are good things. But the question is, what does the Bible tell us we should focus on? And then for tonight's sermon, what's the benefit? What's the power that we gain by focusing on the right things the Bible tells us to focus on and, and how do we understand how focus works biblically and how it should affect our lives. So let's go back to it, back to the scriptures that tell us what our focus should be. And I'll, I'll remind you again, Hebrews 12, one and two, here's what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he, he means in chapter 11, there, there's all these heroes of the faith surrounding us and, and other people that are great examples from history or present day that we can be inspired by because others are inspiring us, it might say. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So one of the things we're talking about is fixing our eyes on Jesus. And I'll remind you what I said back in week one, just to, just to bring the conversation back to you, because I want you right now to be thinking this. I should, I should do that. I should much more often in my life fix my eyes on Jesus. In fact, let's go around the room. Just, if you would say that honestly from your heart, you would say in, in reflection on your life, you should, that was a sharp noise, wasn't it? Sorry about that. You should much more often focus on Jesus than you currently do. Just raise your hand as a way of agreeing with that. Yeah, I, I agree, I should. I should, I should much more often focus my eyes on Jesus. And if you're saying that, well, what does it mean? Like, like you, you may have an internal sense of that or maybe you don't. So, so I wrote it down for me, what's it mean? What's it mean to fix my eyes on Jesus? This is for me specifically, it means this. Look away from fear. Don't look at fear. Don't focus on fear. Look away from anger. Look away from disappointment and focus your thoughts on Jesus. Three things, his example, his character, and his teaching on your life. And every time I do that, every time I, I look away from frustration, discouragement, anger, anxiety, whatever it might be, and I just take my full gaze and I think about Jesus. Who was he? What did he teach? What, what did he say? What's his example? What's his character? It has a profound effect on my life. It literally fills me with his presence and with his power. There's something really powerful about focusing, fixing your eyes on Jesus at any moment in your life. But I believe Hebrews 12, one gives us again, a rule of focus that I really want you to think about. And I really want you to see it and how it affects your life as well. He begins by saying this, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So the author of Hebrews, he's building up to talk about focus and he's saying something, I don't want you to miss it. And it's rule number two. The second rule of focus, very simply, is this, fill in these blanks. 
our focus, according to the author of Hebrews, our focus is greatly affected by the people in our lives. Why don't you think about that just for a second? Is your focus, is the things that you're prioritizing, is your ability to focus on Jesus, your ability to, to think about spiritual unseen things, how much is that affected by the people that are in your life, the people who are prompting you and reminding you? I actually call this, I call this the power of people. It's a massive thing. It's a massive thing. The influence of others on your life. And I'm gonna give you some advice because I'm preaching about it. You need to be very careful who you intentionally take your life to because the people who surround you will affect your focus. Let me, let me give you two examples. One good example and one bad example. And I'll start with the bad example. In uh, 1996, God radically transformed my life, radically changed me. I was in school, I was uh, pursuing an advanced degree and, and I was a work hard, play hard person and I've said this many times but I haven't told this part of the story and my mom's here so I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know how deep I'm gonna go into it but I, 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 uh, as you probably know, I, I uh, had some trouble with drinking. I went to jail a couple of times and the last time I, I went to jail, I, 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 God, God showed up in the jail cell and I changed my life. And I had a good number of drinking buddies and friends surrounding my life, affecting my focus. And, and I told them, I said, listen, I'm gonna, I, I, you know, I, I was in jail. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop drinking. I'm gonna back away from this. And, and I, I told them boldly, I am now following Jesus with my life. I got laughs, I got snickers. And about two weeks later, after I made the decision, I got a phone call in my, in my apartment. It was a really good close friend of mine. His name was Sean and Sean called me and, and Sean said, hey, this weekend we are going to do, it's gonna be, be mind blowing, you're gonna love it, it's amazing. And there was a name for it and I forgot the name, but, but what he wanted to do was there were, there, were 12, there were 20 bars in a row, 10 bars on this side of the street and 10 bars on that side. And it had a name like a pub crawl or something. And he said, we're gonna go, we're gonna do one beer in every bar. So, so Friday night, we are drinking 20 beers. Get ready, it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna buy a t-shirt. And I said, whoa, 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 Sean, Sean, Sean. Wait, Sean, Sean, I stopped drinking. And he's like, what? That's been two weeks. Are you still doing the Jesus thing? That's literally what he said to me. Are you still doing the, and that was, had I not changed my life, I can promise you I'd have been leading the charge, carrying the flag. That, that the people around me were, were affecting my focus. They're affecting what I prioritized, what I was seeking after, what I was going after, what I was doing is affected by the people around me. Now, the other illustration, and this is a good one, a good story. Back in the, in the spring of 2020, before uh, we were all visited with uh, the, pa the pandemic, we did a sermon series here in church about, about community. And we, and we launched a, a ministry for what we called community groups. And my wife and I began a community group. We began a group, about 20 people, and, and it started off exceptionally well, and we loved those people. And all of a sudden, the world shut down, but we kept meeting on Zoom, and, and there was encouragement from, from those amazing people. There was prayer. There was a reminder to focus on the right things, and it's an amazing thing. Now, this is awesome, and you can give a hand for it. That group we started with 20 people has now, has now multiplied to four groups affecting almost 100 people. Give God a hand for that. That's, a, that's an awesome thing. Just four years. Just four years. Now, if you, if you think about it, joining a community group is actually an amazing way to intentionally surround yourself with the right kind of people who are gonna whisper in your ears the right kind of focus in your life. 
In fact, recently we, we shot a video with, uh, with, some, with some people. Actually, everyone in this video was, was, was uh, in, my, in my community group. But, but in the middle, you're going to see Blake and Natalie Thomas. And, and they're talking about, Tevis, Pastor Tevis asked them a question. And they're talking about what happens in the community group that they now lead. And I showed this video, about a one-minute video. I want you to ask yourself, if I was in that group, if I was in that group and we were doing those things or any community group, would that affect my focus in the right direction. Here's, here's the video. As Blake and Natalie, why don't, why don't you share with us a little bit how your guys have, your group has grown upwards in its relationship with God together. Yeah, I would say the first thing that comes to mind for me um, is in our group, when we meet, we dive into the sermon discussion questions. And I think that gives all of us a great chance and opportunity to kind of dig in deeper on theological issues, um, debates, opinions on things, um, and also really challenges you. But, you know. um, for me, I would say it's the accountability piece. Um, I know your life gets so hectic and so busy, but just that um, redirection of, hey, did you spend time with the Lord today? Did you give that to God? Or I know that's really frustrating or that's heavy, but have you prayed about it enough? I'll pray about it with you. And it's just really amazing to have that support and then just that support redirects you to the Lord. Um, so that has been a big um, help for me in my life. So I want you to imagine your life no. just for a second. Just imagine for your life, if you were in a community group and, and not only did you hear me preach this sermon, you had a group of people who loved you and you got out the discussion questions that I wrote from this sermon and you sat together and you discussed it, what you thought about it and the scripture and the points I made and how much more would you focus? And then, and then Natalie said, by the way, Natalie, how about a hand for this? She was the uh, LMH Employee of the Year 2022. Give her a little hand. She's awesome. Uh, Natalie's a, a nurse now. She's now the head of uh, hematology and oncology at LMH. She's awesome. But, but anyway, what she said was, you know, there's also in the group, there's accountability. There's people asking you, how are you doing? And are are you in the word of God? Are you praying? Are you focused on all the right things? And let me just tell you, intentionally selecting the right people to help you focus is such a key to fixing your eyes on Jesus. And I hope you're wondering, hey, Pastor Tom, could, could I could I look into joining a community group? And the answer is yes. And as a matter of fact, it's this Wednesday, uh, January 23rd, 6.30, right here in the church. You can come to what we call Community Group Basics. And you can come, hear about the groups, and without doubt, you can join an existing group or a group that is just beginning. And, and you're gonna find out there are people that can surround you and affect the things that you focus on in life. Now, now there's also, there's people that help you focus. Listen to me. There's people that help you focus, intentionally placed in your life, but there is a person you are called to focus on, and that person is Jesus. The person is Jesus. Look what it says. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. What does that mean? There was joy that was coming. When he knew he was making all things new and redeeming mankind, he had joy. And the joy he saw allowed him to endure the cross, the scourging, the beating, his hands being nailed to the wood, hanging naked, yes, I said naked, before all those who were there. That's shameful. It's a shameful death and a shameful place to be. But look what it says. Jesus scorned the shame, when you scorn something, you, you say it's nothing. You make, you make nothing of it, it's nothing. The shame I'm gonna endure is nothing, Jesus said, compared to the joy of redeeming mankind. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Now let's just, let's just talk about this. Because verse three is gonna bring a new, a new benefit of focusing. Look at verse three. Consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that, listen, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I'll say lose, you say heart. Here we go, lose, lose heart. It's actually, what he's saying is, is if you are able to focus on Jesus and you're able to consider him, you consider Jesus, then you're able to have something kind of amazing. You're, you're able to have this power to resist discouragement with your life. Now, now, I'll just note to you, losing heart is a benefit of focusing on Jesus in Hebrews 12.3. It's also a benefit in the other major scripture about fixing your eyes, 2 Corinthians 4.16. It begins like this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. That's a really important thing the Bible's saying. I'll say it like this. The Bible is saying that what you focus on with your eyes has a direct link to what's happening inside your heart. What's it mean to lose heart? What's it mean? What's it mean to lose heart? Here's what it means. Losing heart means to to give up. Now stop right there. How many of you here, just raise your hand, you, you have personally or you know someone else who has given up on something in life? Just raise your hand. Losing heart means to means to give up. Losing heart means to be discouraged. To lose the, I I like these words, to lose the internal fire to keep fighting towards your goal. Now, I I really like that, that phrase, that idea, because that's kind of how I personally feel motivation. Motivation to me, when I feel motivated, it feels like fire inside of me. There's an internal fire that's burning to do what God is calling you to do. And when you're focused, you're feeding the fire inside of you, but the wrong focus stops the fire. The wrong focus means you're going to get discouraged. You're going to feel like giving up. You're going to feel like things have, have, have gone past and it's over. You know, I think about this idea of losing heart, of, of giving up. You know, personally, I've talked to, to, to no doubt between 500 and 1,000 people who very much wanted to leave their marriages. And they came to me to kind of make their case, like, Pastor Tom, I'm in this really bad marriage and I just gave up. I gave up on it. And I, and I, I want to leave it. I want to get a divorce. And, and, and what they want me to do is say, yes, yes, you have my blessing. Yes, do it. And, and there's a conversation. But, but the discouragement and the failure that they bring because they've lost heart. They've lost the ability to keep fighting for something they once loved. You should really be examining your life right now and whatever area it might be. And ask yourself, how, how's my heart do I, have I lost heart in some way? And, and the worst one would be in your faith. The worst place to lose heart is, is in your ability to pursue Christ and, and to come after him. Ask yourself, how is your internal fire? I, I remember I met with a man many, many years ago and he used a phrase and I, I really like this phrase. He's now a very close friend of mine, but he came and met with me and he basically said, he said, I don't know what's happening to me. He said, I only really care about two things in my life and and nothing else do I care about. I care about sleeping and I care about Ohio State football. That's literally what he said. He said, it is as if I have been, here's the phrase he used. It's as if I have been zombified. That's what he said. It's like I've been zombified. I don't care about anything. I I don't care about my kids. I don't care about my wife. I don't care about my job. I don't care about my work. Something has happened to me and I don't know what it is, but it has to change. He'd lost his heart. He'd lost his motivation. He'd, lo- he'd lost everything. And that day, I, I, he was able to pray to accept Christ in my office, which was awesome. And then within, within days, there was a fire building in his heart and his life, and, and everything changed. 
as he fixed his eyes on Jesus. But, but ask about yourself. How's your heart? How's your fire? How's the internal motivation inside of you to do the right things and to live an honorable life before God? Or are you feeling that? Man, I've lost heart. And let me tell you this, with absolute clarity, your focus and your heart are directly linked. Your focus affects the fire burning in your heart. And when you're focused on the wrong things, you're focused on, on, on your discouragements, on your failures, on how it all went wrong and all the problems and all the disasters or all the what ifs. Well, what if this happens and what if that happens and, and what about this? You're going to lose fire. You're going to lose heart. That's why very interestingly, your heart and your focus are directly connected in another verse in the Bible about focus. Now this verse isn't about losing heart. It's about guarding your heart. Look at it right here. Proverbs 4.23, it says something really important to grab onto above all else. That's really important in the Bible when the Bible says more than anything else, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. That's what it means. If you lose heart, you lose everything. If you lose heart, you, you lose the ability to concentrate, to focus, to accomplish things, to succeed. I know you've known people, I maybe you've been a person who the dis- depression, the discouragement has overwhelmed you and you lost heart. This verse says, guard it above all else. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, two verses later, it's back to fixing your eyes. It says this, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Now, the context of that scripture is is really, really clear. The context of that scripture, what it means and what it's talking about is that that when you you don't guard your heart, you're, you're focusing on things that are tempting you to desire what is wrong. And I'll tell you with absolute clarity, you, listen, you cultivate the desires that exist in your heart. The things that you do, the things that you think about, it cultivates desire inside of you. I'll, I'll give you an example, uh, a, a, an example about this. Let's just pretend, just for a second, just pretend for a second that, that you and I made a, a standing appointment. Every Wednesday, we're going to lunch and we're gonna have what we're gonna call beautiful burger lunch. And we go to our first burger lunch and I order it, there it is. Oh, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful bacony goodness. And we, you know, we split that thing day one. You know, we split it in half and you have half and I have half. I can tell you that the next Wednesday, I'm gonna be like, oh, Burger Wednesday, it's coming. I can't wait because we've cultivated our own desires for what the things that are happening in our life. We didn't guard our hearts. We didn't protect ourselves. And now we're desiring things which are unhealthy for us. The verse says, guard your heart. You know, it also means guard your heart from the, the emotions. You know, when you, when you focus on the what ifs and you focus on failures and you focus on the wrong things, all of a sudden your heart is feeling all these emotions, anger, hatred, anxiety, discouragement, all these things come, listen, from focusing on the wrong things. The rule of focus number three, the third rule of focus, it's simple. It says this, focusing on Christ allows us to stay engaged and encouraged. It literally guards our hearts. That's how important it is that you, if you're in Christ, that you focus on Christ. You know and I know there are many, many people who claim it. They claim Christ, but they're not really focused on Christ in their life. Here's what focusing on Christ does. It allows us to stay engaged and encouraged and literally it guards our hearts from those things in our life that we don't want and we want to have nothing to do with. 
you know, uh, there's one more law of focus I wanna go to and talk about. It's actually kind of similar, but before I go on, I want you to think about your heart. Are you, have you lost heart? Have you lost interest? Have you become discouraged? How is your internal fire right now? Because tonight, in just a bit, I'm gonna ask you to renew your commitment to fixing your eyes on Jesus. And as you do that, you're gonna find that fire coming back in your heart. Now, fire means uh, encouragement, engaged, excited. But there's another thing that focusing on Christ does to your heart. I had a, a text from a good friend of mine. His name is Scott Smith. Scott's a member here at Spring Hills. You might know Scott. And Scott actually sent me a text son, last Sunday after church. And he said this. He said, he said Pastor Tom, I think Isaiah 26.3 would really fit in your current sermon series. And I said, hey, thanks, Scott. I'll, I'll check it out. The next morning, my prayer time, Monday morning, I, I opened my Bible. It's an ESV study Bible at my house. And I just read this verse that he suggested. And I was like, does this verse actually fit with focusing and fixing your eyes? And here's that verse in the, in the ESV. It says this, you keep him. Now we know the him there can be a man or a woman. It's not male directed, it's anyone. You keep him in perfect peace. Now stop right there and I'll tell you, when I read that phrase, perfect peace, it had me. I was like, whoa, this is interesting. How does someone find perfect peace in their life? Let me, let me throw that out to you. What, what's, what's perfect peace feel like? Perfect peace means not only am I at peace, it is perfect. There is no imperfection in the peace that I have right now. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I love that. Your mind is stayed on Jesus Christ. Now, another translation puts it like this. It said this, those whose thoughts are fixed on you. So I want you to think about that. If your thoughts are fixed on God or fixed on Christ, there is available to you, there is perfect peace. Your, your eyes aren't going to the left or going to the right. That's actually in Isaiah 26 as well. It says, don't look to the right or to the left. Be focused. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And then the last part says this, because he trusts in you. Here's how I actually think it works. I think this verse works like this. First, you have trust. When you trust in God, when you built that trust and you trust him, then you can keep your mind stayed on him. You can keep your thoughts fixed on him. See if you agree with that. When you trust him, you can keep thinking about him. And the result of that is perfect peace in your life. Now, you can sit here right now and you can lie to yourself and you can say, I don't, I don't want perfect peace. That, that doesn't sound very alluring. Stop it. You want perfect peace in your life. I know you do. Here's how it works. Focusing directly affects your peace. Now we see a great example of this in the Bible. We actually have this amazing story in, in Matthew 14 and, and we, see, we see the disciples and they get in a boat and they go, they go across the Sea of Galilee and it's a storm and it's the middle of the night and they look and there's Jesus walking on the water. It's an awesome, awesome story. And then all of a sudden, here's verse 28. Peter says, uh, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on the water with you. Now, right away, I want you to congratulate Peter in your heart because that's big faith. If Jesus can walk on water, I can walk on water. That's what he's saying. I can walk on water if Jesus can walk on water. Look what he says. He says, tell me to come on the water. And Jesus says, come. And Peter got down out of the boat, walking on the water. And he came towards Jesus. Verse 29 is glorious. Verse 30 is a warning for you and for me. But when he saw the wind, he took his eyes off Jesus 
When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Peter, he gets down out of the boat. His foot hits that water and he finds the water to be solid because of his faith. And he's walking on the water right towards Jesus. But the moment, watch it, it's going to happen. The moment he takes his eyes off of Jesus, just in this moment, right here, next thing that happens, here we go, eyes off, boom, sinking in the water, just like that. Lights back up, please. That's, that's what happens. That's exactly what happens to me and to you. You want perfect peace? Keep your mind, your thoughts stayed fixed on Jesus, his character, his example, who he is. And you're gonna find this incredible peace is gonna be there in your life. One of the benefits, this is number four, fill in number four, it's the fourth rule of focus. One of the great benefits of fixing your eyes on Jesus according to Isaiah 26.3 is perfect peace. I want you to think about that. Maybe you know that from experience. Maybe you can say, Pastor Tom, the story of Peter is my story. When my eyes are fixed on Jesus, I have so much peace in my heart. It's amazing. But the minute I take my eyes off of Jesus and I'm focusing on my doubt, my confusion, my discouragement, me, 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 anxiety, discouragement creeps back into my life. I really want you to think about this desire for perfect peace. And I want you just in a moment I want you to really consider renewing your focus on Jesus. And let me tell you how we're gonna do that. I'm gonna actually, if you're here in the room or if you're watching online, either way, I'm gonna invite you actually tonight to, to literally get on your knees. Getting on your knees is a sign of surrender and submission to God. I'm gonna invite you, if you're, if you're courageous, to walk forward in this room, kneel at the altar and say, Jesus, I am renewing my commitment to fix my eyes on you. And that's how we're gonna end this service and then we're gonna sing a song uh, about Jesus being enough that he's all we need. But I have one more topic for you that I need to get into tonight. And it's, it's, uh, it's an important one and, and I, I wanna say it the right way. I want you to understand something. You know, remember I told you the very first rule of focus was very simply this. The challenge is not to only avoid distraction, but to ensure we are focused on the right things. You know, as the, as the senior pastor, the, the lead pastor of this church, it is my great desire to focus on the right things. There's lots of, there's lots of things that, that I shouldn't focus on. They're auxiliary, they're, they're discouraging, they're this or that, but I only focused on the right thing. One of those right things is that, is that we are consistently sharing with people how they can accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and come to know him. Say amen to that. We recently, just last weekend, we launched a ministry that, that meets in, in the east end of Newark. It's called, it's called Turning Point. It's led by our, our pastor, Trey Freeman. We launched Turning Point last weekend knowing that is the right focus, to love people and to share Christ, that people can have a turning point in their life. Let me tell you, week one turning point, I'm gonna give you the attendance number and you can just say amen to this. We had 131 week one at Turning Point this past weekend. Now, what a great thing, Something else, you know, for me as, as a pastor of this church to keep my eye on is, is, is what's happening in our church. What's going on? What are the attitudes and, and what, what opportunities are we giving? What's happening? And I, I told you, I've been telling you the last couple of weeks that last weekend was my 12th anniversary as being senior pastor of this church. And I'll tell you one thing that's going on is growth. 
We, we've, seen, we've seen growth. When I, the year before I became senior pastor, second week of January 2012, our average weekly attendance was 975, about 1,000 people. That's a good number. That didn't include, we didn't have online services back then. It was just, you come to church and that's it, 975. But the, the, this past year, 2023, that number jumped to 1846. In fact, last weekend, last weekend in all of our services combined, last weekend, we had 2,069 people in services in church last weekend. Our, our church is growing. Our, our church is growing and, and, and here's a, an absolute reality about the growth that we're seeing is that, that not on Saturday night, not, not you guys, but, but on Sunday morning, nine o'clock parking is, is really, really tough and 11 o'clock parking and sitting in the room is, is increasingly becoming more and more full. We're struggling we actually, we actually came to a point, our church executive team, our church elders, and me personally, praying about what should we do about the growth that we're seeing. The parking's full. 11 o'clock services is unsustainably large. What are we gonna do about what's happening? We prayed about it and we considered a couple of things. The first thing we considered, and I'll be honest with you, we actually considered this, was to say this, do nothing. See the growth, acknowledge that, listen, on an average Sunday morning, one to two cars come in the parking lot, drive through, don't find parking, and they leave and they go somewhere else. Do we just ignore that? Do we just say, do we just say, you know what? We're growing, God's blessing us, and our response is to do nothing. We also know this. We know Licking County, Ohio is projected to grow enormously as Intel, Google, and Microsoft have all bought property in Licking County. The, the, the population is gonna soar. What do we do about it? How do we as a church manage the growth that we're seeing? And we made a decision. Our elders, our executive team, I personally in prayer, we made a decision and I wanna share that decision with you of what's gonna be happening. The good news for you is it does not affect Saturday night in any way, shape or form. But we have decided that we're going to be starting the first weekend of March, March 2, 3, we're gonna add a service on Sunday morning. We're gonna continue with our Saturday night at six. Hey, give a little hand for that service. It's awesome. Saturday night, it's amazing. Saturday at six, still gonna happen, but Sunday morning, we're gonna shift to having three services. There'll be an 8.30 service, a 10 o'clock service, and 11.30 service. All four services will have the same worship experience, same sermon, same worship experience, but we're gonna offer more opportunities for people to hear about Christ and to have parking, to have seats available. Now, here's what I know about you. Maybe not you, if you're a hardcore Saturday night, but, but a lot of people, when they look at what to focus on, they look like a consumer. They simply say, how would this affect me? And if you're hardcore Saturday night, you're like, oh, it doesn't affect me at all. What a great decision, Pastor Dom. We love it. We're growing. Amazing. Mwah, mwah. But if you, I think that was a Christmas story. I think that was what that was with the paper, A+. plus. Anyway, um, I don't know why that happened. Sorry, guys. It's live. We're live. But if you're a Sunday morning person and you're hearing this like, What? I'm a, I'm a hardcore nine o'clock person. I gotta come a half an hour earlier or, or later. I can't do it. Oh, it's all about me. Stop. Your focus needs to be on this simple thing. How do we, as a, in a partnership with each other, as a church, make opportunities so cars don't drive through and leave, but they find and hear a message about Jesus? Now, we're gonna need your help. We need to partner together. We're gonna, we're gonna need, obviously, if we're having another service with childcare, we're gonna need a host team, a security team, kids ministry team, cafe team, a, an entire new team. So yeah, we're gonna need some help. And I don't want you to turn a blind eye and say, I love what we're doing. It's great, we're growing. And then do nothing. 
That was an option we looked at. We could just do nothing, but God said, no, 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 no. You can't do nothing. You've got to step up. Focus on the right things. Focus on what God is calling us to do with our lives. And that's how I want to end this service tonight. Praise team, come on back, praise team. We're going to sing one last song. The last song we're going to sing is called Christ is Enough. But I want to ask you, if you would, just, just stand, go ahead and stand right now. And if tonight you would say to Jesus, I want to renew my focus on Christ. I want to say, I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. I want to do it more consistently and more thoroughly because I want perfect peace. And I, want, I don't want to lose my heart. I want to guard my heart. I want to focus on the right things. I want to ask you to walk forward or, or, or even right there in your chair where you are. If you're at home, it can be right on the living room floor. Wherever you are, if you're driving, maybe don't do this. But otherwise, otherwise, find a place to get on your knees and tell Jesus you surrender to him. So, so walk up right now. Just walk up right now. Walk up right now. Find a spot. If, you're, if it's on your heart, yes, I want to fix my eyes on Jesus more consistently and more often. Just walk up. Walk up. Find a place. Rededicate yourself to focusing on Jesus.